This week, I'm going to talk about a track from one of my favorite albums of the 90s. It's Better Than Ezra's King of New Orleans. Right off the bat, there's a cool thing in the production of this song. They start off all three band members together, guitar, bass, and drums, playing what it will become the verse chord progression. But just before he starts singing, they stop and he plays the first verse, or the first half of the first verse at least, just with solo guitar. And so the drums and bass drop out. He does a guitar part along with his vocals. Then he stops to pause on that one word down with a harmony vocal there, and then the whole band kicks back in. It's really cool right off the bat to kind of get that kind of a a change up. The production values on this song are amazing, actually. Uh, The guitar sounds, his tones are really amazing. The bass sounds gritty. It's got a cool distorted kind of tone to it. The drums sound excellent. This whole album is produced extraordinarily well. It's got a great mid-90s kind of tone to it, and I really love that kind of dry but just raw feel. And the song's got that. When the lights are up and the sun is never gone down. Lyrics of the song are pretty interesting. These guys are New Orleans natives, and so they wrote this song about a group of people. They call them the gutter punks, right? these young kids who uh, are homeless for the most part and just hanging out in the French Quarter. For the most part, people ignore them or pass them by and, and don't think anything of them. You know, they might be out there begging on the street or maybe they're playing some music and tunes to try to get a few bucks. Like he says, try to make $20 before the weekend's over. And it's kind of a dark song. He's really talking about how people mistreat and overlook these folks or uh, pass them by and, and look down on them. In some cases, even abuse them. But he creates this kind of fantasy world where this is one king of the New Orleans gutter punks, if you will, and he's going through town and 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 making things happen for himself. And uh, so it's putting a positive spin on a kind of a gritty and dark underlying theme. Another cool thing about the writing of this song, Kevin Griffin is a particularly good composer, and he writes songs that are more than your typical three-chord kind of extravaganzas, if you will. Both the chorus and the verse of this song are both in A and A major, and so what he does is uh, he kind of bridges them together with this pre-chorus, and the pre-chorus modulates so that when you come back into a chorus and you're back on the A, it doesn't sound like you didn't go anywhere. The nice little touch that he added to the song, and it, it's a nice bridging kind of a part that, that gets you into the chorus really nice. There's also this post-chorus, very short couple of bar bit that they play a few times in the song. It's got this cool bendy part, and it's just a nice transition, again, to get you back from the chorus into the verse, which is also an A, they go into a slightly different direction and play a slightly different chord progression. Again, it's a nice way to mask the fact that those two parts are in the same key. And after the second chorus, there's a really cool part that comes in. It's this bridge that the three of them kind of do this instrumental bit. And it moves out of 4-4 time signature, the rest of the song is, and it it jumps into this cool kind of a 6-8 followed by 7-8 pattern where they do six eights, then they do seven eight, and then they do a measure of four, and then a six eight seven eight four. And, you know, they're not a prog band by any stretch of the imagination, but this is the kind of thing you could do in the 90s, thanks to bands like Soundgarden, which were essentially prog bands that had written popular tunes. I'm sure I'll be talking about Soundgarden at some point in the show. But because bands were stretching out that way and doing things that had a little bit of a flair to them and, and had a little bit of a musical interest to them, other bands would, would follow them and do that kind of a thing. And it's not... 
anything mathematical. It's not anything particularly complex. It's just a nice little feature bit, a little bit of a guitar and bass and drums instrumental bit that lends to a little bit of color into the song. It's the kind of thing that later on in you know, by the late 90s would just be completely cut out of most radio bound music. This was a pretty big single on this album. So it was a very popular tune. So it's not like it was hurting the song in any way. And it's kind of a nice, cool climax of the song in a lot of ways. Right after the instrumental bridge, there's another bridge with vocals in it, the radio in my head, radio in my car kind of bit, which is, again, we're climaxing the song now. We're taking it somewhere bigger and, and more tense. And then immediately after that, they break the song completely down. The final verse comes way down and you get uh, the drums kind of break down into just a simple hi-hat and, and kick drum pattern. The guitar almost pulls out. He comes down quite a bit there. And again, it's a nice way to build up for that final verse to build us back into that final chorus. And just a nice signal of, of the kind of writing that's going on here, that the guys in this band you know, put together, they don't just write three chord songs and slap them together and put them out there. They're really thinking these through uh, and they're composed pretty intricately. And it's just great songwriting. I love the final pre-chorus, how he changes up the rhythm there. He adds a f- more words in the melody than usually are there. And, and he says, all the way on my hands and on my feet and shoulders. And those extra syllables, again, you're doing this part three times, you might as well change it up, right? And that little extra bit, it kind of reminds me of the kind of lyrical writing and melodic writing that Sting would do in, in The Police quite often, where you take it somewhere new on the final round of a, of a repeat. And that's another nice, really cool touch and a beautiful part of the writing there on Kevin Griffin's part. And of course, we end the song with that cool post-chorus bit with just a different choice of chords at the end. And it's just a really quick, nice, good, solid, well-written song. It's a great kickoff for this album. I highly recommend the rest of this record. If you haven't listened to Friction Baby, it's a great album overall. Like I said, it's one of my favorite albums of this era of the 90s. And Better Than Ezra was a pretty big band for a while there. They had a couple of big hits, but a lot of people, I think, have forgotten about them in in, uh, more recent years. But I think they're still around. I think they're still touring. They've changed drummers a few times there, but uh, the main uh, two guys in the band, uh, Kevin Griffin and uh, Tom Drummond, have been playing uh, together for quite a while. Uh, Tom Drummond is just a great bass player. If you're into bass playing... He's definitely somebody to listen to, uh, particularly throughout this record. He does a lot of really cool bass lines over just really nice blues chords that uh, that Kevin Griffin is playing on his guitar. And I've seen his band live, and they're pretty amazing. Uh, Kevin Griffin sings and plays excellently when they're playing live. So if you ever have a chance to catch them live, it's another thing I would recommend as well. So yeah, that's it for this tune. Hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you'll check out the rest of Friction Baby as well. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Listen. Subscribe to the show via Apple's iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. iTunes ratings are always helpful too, so I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show with your friends. Apple Music and Spotify links to today's track can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen and become a patron. Your support will go a long way to helping me keep the show going. 
Speaking of support, I want to give a shout out to my executive producers on this episode, Alec and Kevin. Thank you. You helped make this show possible. If you want to learn more about how you can become an executive producer on the show, go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen. If you have any comments, suggestions, or you just want to chat with fellow listeners about the music, you can reach out on micro.blog at the weekly listen. I encourage everyone to join the conversation. Thanks. And we'll be back next week with more music. 